Welcome back to the table, you animals. I'm your host, Joe Newbauer at Joe Knows MMA. This is your co-host, Sean Newbauer at the underscore MMA Insomniac, and this is Better Fight Cast. All right, Sean, here we are again, back at the table. What is the mood and overall feeling this week in mixed martial arts? Well, the opposite of the last two weeks, it's optimism. No it's, more negativity, eh? That goes out the window when, um, although I never thought, I never, like, that's why I'm glad we do this and then go back on what I said. I wasn't depressed about the state of the sport or I thought it was in a good spot still. I was just depressed of how people covered it. It was the type of feeling the media and, and maybe a handful of fans and people that, that do podcasts on mixed martial arts. It was the type of feeling they gave you about the sport, right? Yes. And I knew the sport wasn't in as bad shape as like they were making it out to be. They were just going off of TV ratings and recent buy rates. But I'm like, that's why I like doing my math before I talk. And I've noticed the last couple of years, nothing has changed. We're coming off of a year that they had the biggest year ever. Now it looks like if things fall into place the way they are right now, this could be their biggest year ever. Mm -hmm. And then the next year, their money only goes up with the new TV deal, exposure from And you're ESPN. just talking about the UFC. Yeah. Because I still think MMA is growing globally and economically everywhere. Yeah, because even Bellator is growing in different areas. They're, they're, they're just like UFC. Their TV deal sucks. But, you know, they're, they're looking for a different outlet just like the UFC is about to do. In those regards. So, yeah, I'm very optimistic. So, it was, it's crazy to go from one week. Last week, everybody said the sky was falling to this week. We're, we're on a rocket to the moon, eh? Yeah. I just find it contradictory. Well, we've had some great fights this year, regardless of what anybody says. This is a year that I've... I mean, one guy in particular, I gotta say, if, if it wasn't for just keep putting on fights, Israel Adesanya is growing into a star in the year 2018 in front of our very eyes. Well, not that. Look at the history of what's happened this year already. We had this past weekend, obviously history was made at UFC 227. We've had DC make history. We've had we've had a couple things where people are going to remember this for a long time. This is going this is another pivotal year for the UFC where they're building towards bigger things. And let's just jump right into that historic, historical moment we saw this past weekend. UFC was live in Los Angeles, California this past week for UFC 227. This was an event going into it I even said I was a little ho-hum about. And I think it was just maybe the, the week after week after week of mixed martial arts, arts action we've been getting. Especially it was following that, that stacked UFC on Fox card. I went into this event a little ho-hum about it. Just kind of like, okay, I'm not going to miss it. I'm going to watch it, but I wasn't that over-ecstatic fanboy that I usually am. And I got to tell you, by the end of the night, I, I, I wanted more mixed martial arts. I was back to where I was like, I can't get enough of this sport. It's it's everything I love about it. And the UFC did a great job. And, and obviously the people of Los Angeles knew something going into this event that even I didn't know as it was a complete sellout. It was almost $3 million at the gate. I mean, of course, they're in Hollywood, so there's going to be a lot of A-list celebrities, but there were so much big stars sitting ringside for this show. And even we were looking at it before, the social media and the like YouTube viewers. I mean, the weigh-ins did exponentially bigger than most shows you see. And it's starting to make me think that maybe this UFC 227 card that I heard was supposed to be terrible might do pretty well in the box office after all. 
I'm not that optimistic. I think also a lot of reasons it was good for them. You know, they I think that press conference helped a lot. That helped tremendously. That thing had so many people watching live because they didn't know what to expect because they found out Nate Diaz was going to be there. They found, they were waiting to see if Connor Khabib gets announced. So I think that had a bigger factor in the reason those kind of numbers were up. But mm-hmm. still, if it hooked people, the what you got to do is you got to deliver. They delivered an event that got people talking. All right, and let's 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 get to the historical factor. Let's let's talk about the X's and O's here for a minute. In the co-main event, I'm skipping the main event for now. But first, we're going to talk about the co-main event. What I thought was the most overlooked fight on the card. Henry Cejudo, former Olympic gold medalist, the youngest Olympic gold medalist ever, by the way, came in and dethroned Mighty Mouse, a guy who everybody was considering the GOAT. Most title defenses in UFC history. I mean, the guy, he was the only flyweight champion ever. And for the first time ever, we saw somebody not named Demetrius Johnson get an upside-down belt wrapped around his waist. Now, do you think the judges made the right call? Did you have Henry Cejudo winning this fight? Or do you think he not did or do you think he did not do enough to dethrone the champ? I thought he won the fight. It was close, but I felt like Cejudo was pushing the pace more. He landed a lot of clean takedowns, good takedowns. I know a lot of people were saying, oh, it's just laying prey. It's like, but what do you do against DJ? You make one mistake against DJ, he finishes you. He's not one of the goats of all time because, you know, he has a ton of holes in his game. No, that is a very... He beat one of the most well-rounded fighters in the history of the UFC. A guy that can can just do it all. Wrestle, knock you out, submit you. I mean, he, he had a video game like Submission Win. I think just in his last fight. So, I have no problem with the decision. I don't think there's really much controversy. The only problem I had with was the call-out after the fight. I just don't understand that one. And we're going to get to that in a minute. But as far as what the judges called, I saw it the same exact way. I thought it was 2-2. I mean, it was narrowly 2-2 going into the final round. Watching it live, I really thought it was tied up. And then whoever won the fifth round won. I thought Henry Cejudo was the better man on Saturday night. It wasn't a blow Mighty Mouse out of the water type of performance. But he did enough to get his hand raised in victory on Saturday night. And I thought that was the best flyweight fight, title fight, I have ever seen in the history of the flyweight division. It makes flyweight great again. <laughs> I well, love I don't think it was ever great. I think what it does, it adds life to that division. It adds a lot of life. It adds some flavor. It adds some character. It just gives us something to talk now about. Now you have that upset with the new champ, but quietly that division's got some good up and oh, it has, It's always had great, great contenders. It's always had great but, talent. But, but, but right now, I feel like that division's on a roll with the Sergio Pettis. And, you know, there's a couple guys coming up that I really had my eye on him just because I think for so long DJ was just dominating so long as much as people want to watch greatness and dominance I think a little chaos is what really draws people's attention especially to a divisioner of this sport and now that there's chaos mm-hmm. you know added into it I think it makes it a whole lot yeah. more fun yeah yeah I thought Henry Cejudo was the winner not to mention it was a great fight yeah I mean I remember we all just waiting for that decision to be announced yeah everybody was on pins and needles on the edge of their nervous. seat yes I was a little nervous and then when the decision was announced I remember everybody just standing up and celebrating it, it was a yeah. fantastic fight let's at least state that right now it was also you know great underdog coming on top 
And not only that, but um, what, what amazes me about it is Henry Cejudo, when he first got signed by the UFC, I didn't even really think he was UFC ready. He only had a, a handful of fights, and he was missing weight before that. Like, I didn't think he was really UFC ready, but the, the improvements that guy's made, and I get it. He was an Olymp Olympic-level athlete. You know, he's a gold medalist. I just feel like it, it blows me away. The improvement, plus he's young. He's what still getting better. No, he's 31. Oh, he's he is the same 31? age. Him and DJ were the same exact age. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. I thought, yes. For some reason, I thought Sajudo I mean, you can rewind the podcast, and I called it last week. I can't mm. remember if it was on the one me and you did or the one I did with Matthew J. Better, but I told everybody Henry Sajudo, I thought lately, was on a better run than Demetrius Johnson was. I know he slammed that, that amazing submission victory over Ray Borg, but. It was Ray Borg, and no disrespect to Ray Borg, but he really had no business being in the title shot situation. He, he really didn't. And I, I thought that he was taking on the elite level of flyweights today in Sergio Pettis. There was Joey Benavidez. And then, you know, you, you they had the same opponent in Wilson Hayes, and they both did the same exact thing to him. They both just utterly destroyed him. Henry Cejudo has, has improved leaps and bounds since his UFC career. Everybody forgets he fought Demetrius Johnson the first time. He was only, what, 7-0? and Yeah. He didn't have 10 fights yet. This guy is still getting better. Still getting way better. And I, I think there's big things for him on the horizon. It was kind of like how I felt about um, Sejudo when he fought him the first time. There's another guy. He, he since left the UFC. Kyuji Horiguchi. I always thought same the same thing. thing about him. I thought same it was thing. just parody in the division. Mm -hmm. There was nobody to give the champ, so they got their title shot sooner than they should have. So, but then, it, but you got to remember how close to Judo and Pettis was. I think Pettis is right there too. Pettis, no, is the so Judo pretty much took care of Pettis. He, uh, I yeah, think. his wrestling used his wrestling and really negated him. Yeah, mm. I thought it was a dominating performance by Judo. I was impressed. Sergio couldn't get anything against him. But let's move on. Let's move on to the main event. T.J. Dillashaw again comes out and knocks out Cody Garbrandt. In impressive fashion I mean fireworks from the opening bell and of course it ended in the first round it was like three minutes of fast and furious action I was very entertained but were you surprised were you surprised that TJ Dillashaw was able to come out again for a second time and only what eight eight months later and knock out Cody Garbrandt again yes you were surprised I was picking Cody to win Okay, you thought the injury that he came out with. I right thought a little before. bit the injury, and I thought just he's the younger guy. I thought he was just going to improve with this camp. And um, yeah, I was surprised. I thought Cody was going to get him this time. I, I'm not going to lie; like that's what I thought was going to happen. It didn't happen that way. TJ looked better than ever. TJ looked like he's the bantamweight goat. Like I don't see anybody. You know, there's never been a bantamweight greater than TJ Dillashaw. I disagree. But we'll get to that in a second. I was going to say, because to me, like, he only lost one fight since he became champion back in A. That was Dominic Cruz, which is a decision that mm -hmm. I don't even think he lost. Mm -hmm. So I think his stock went way up this time. A lot, there was a lot of criticisms about the rematch getting booked right away, but I'm just like, who else fights him? Who else would have fought him at that time? There is nobody. Marlon Marais just came up. Well, that's up. why Demetrius Johnson kind of, kind of kind of shot himself in the foot here yeah. by not taking that Cody Garbrandt. Yeah, now I mean, it's taking lost. taking that TJ Dillashaw It's lost fight. for DJ now. He'd have to... It's not entirely lost. There's a scenario that could play out where they could meet up down the line. It could, but there's but... a lot more variables at play yeah. here. I, yeah, I agree. They should have done that thing while it was there. But, yeah, I, I was very impressed. It, 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 
going in that fight, Cody's known as more of the knockout guy, not TJ. And he beat him in his own game. Now, do you consider, with this victory, as a lot of people are talking, they're putting TJ Dillashaw already as the greatest bantamweight of all time talks. Do you think he's already, at this stature, the greatest bantamweight of all time? For the history of the bantamweight division? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know of anybody better. I right, see. I disagree. I think I still think Dominic Cruz. Dominic Cruz never defended the title when he had it. It's debatable. Dominic Cruz was an eight-time defending champion. What do you mean he never defended the title? The guy was riddled with injuries. That's why it was just his title defenses were so few and far in between. But the man was an eight-time defending champion. I get that, but a lot of that was in WEC, right? WEC and UFC, but it's not like he was fighting chums. He was fighting elite-level fighters in WEC. Dominic Cruz's run is great, and let's not forget who's on that list. At the end of the day, he got his hand raised against TJ Dillashaw. I know, but that's that's why, to me, when we talk about what's next for uh, TJ Dillashaw, I know Cruz has been out for a while, but I guess there's only one way to settle it, right? I'm saying one guy's the bet- the bantamweight goat. You're saying the other and guy this is. this is the preferred the, perfect the scenario. The story yeah. kind of sells itself right yes. there. Yes, And, I mean, it's just... It's for the short history of the bantamweight division. I just think the body of work right now, you have to respect and love what Dominic Cruz did. I mean, he really did. He took on a murderer's row also. TJ Dillashaw, I don't think he has the level of competition that Dominic Cruz has had yet. He really hasn't. I get the Cody Garbrandt win, but... The rematch, I, I thought this rematch wasn't really needed. I get it, they did it from a marketing See, everybody standpoint. everybody knocks TJ because he had to fight Joe Soto on a day's notice. No, I'm not knocking him for that. I'm not. Actually, I think TJ's greatest work was when he wasn't champion. Let's not forget he dominated Rafael Sunsal. Let's not forget he dominated John Lineker. TJ Dillashaw, is, is he there? Yeah, I'm not saying he's out of this discussion. I'm just saying there's a little bit more work to be done. There's just a little, and, and it might be just one more title defense. You know, I I, I want to see something fresh. I'm ready to see something new. Um, moving along here, after the match, both winners, Henry Cejudo and TJ Dillashaw, and you already alluded to the fact that you didn't like it, they're both calling each other out. They're yeah. both calling each other out for either division. TJ's willing to drop the 125 to fight Cejudo, and Cejudo's willing to go up to 135 to fight TJ. Regardless, they want to fight each other. Is that the fight to make or no? No. I'm sorry, but like it the only way that's the fight to make is if TJ would have won and DJ would have won. Do it. That then it's time. There's not really much people. I mean, cuz Dominic Cruz is coming off the long layoff, but like Marlon Marias, all right. I wouldn't mind seeing him fight one more time before he gets his shot. And then you have uh, even though I think Mar- Mar- Marlon Marias is a killer and I do think if he was to get the shot, I wouldn't be upset. I just don't think as much eyeballs is going to be on that. And then you have uh, Sejudo. You have to do the rematch with, with DJ. We're talking about a division that's never had a great narrative. Mm-hmm. That's never had a fight. It's the first trilogy. You finally have one. Mm-hmm. You finally have a fight that like will actually... They could be the marquee. I don't know how well it does, but it'll still do better than any other flyweight fight that's ever done. Mm-hmm. You finally got that fight. You got that marquee fight. You finally got a division. We feel like we finally have a division at the 125-pound class in the UFC for once. You gotta do DJ versus uh, Cejudo three. You mm-hmm. just have to. Now I could see Cejudo maybe taking one more fight, possibly because 
you, you gotta remember D, uh, DJs these DJs and TJs are just you know yeah mixing me up say like, Muddy D- Mouse man it rolls yeah, off easy yeah true but Muddy Mouse did say that uh, after the fight he messed up his knee knee well, it wasn't even his knee the proof we have is his foot yeah blew up to about three times its size yeah. we saw photos of that the, the knee is probably still have to be um mri or or it has to be you know they have to look at that thing to really determine he could have tweaked it but we don't know how bad yet but one yeah. thing we do know with the eye test he did some damage to that foot yeah so i but like the thing i think is like tj has three different contenders he could fight nobody unfortunately rafael santiago is crazy as nobody wants to see that but he has Dominic Cruz. Dominic, him and Dominic Cruz could probably do pretty good business together. And Marias being standby. But t- t- Cejudo versus TJ makes no sense to me whatsoever. I'm not interested in the Cejudo versus TJ fight either. I mean, it's good theoretically, but this is not a super fight. People are already calling this a super That's not a super fight. How is that a super fight? I don't feel like the fans are asking for Henry Cejudo versus TJ Dillashaw. No. The, you know, it's funny. The media that always gets on, you know the meritocracy of the sport and stuff like that. They're the ones that are so fascinated by it, and I'm like, why? Yeah. Honestly, I think there's too much to do at both divisions, and I agree with you 100%. If you don't do Demetrius Johnson versus Henry Cejudo, next, you are doing us a disservice to the whole sport of mixed martial arts. Why? Because it is the trilogy fight that has to happen. Now, unless Demetrius Johnson is out for like eight months to a year with, with an injury, say he did tear the LCL off his leg, yes, Henry Cejudo is going to have to fight somebody before then. And we'll cross that bridge when it gets there. But if DJ is able to come in within six months' time, you have to do the rubber match. They're tied at one apiece. It's not like Henry Cejudo blew Demetrius Johnson out the water here. We're talking a split decision victory that a lot of people thought Muddy Mouse won. Yeah. I thought Cejudo won, but there's a lot of people that really thought Muddy Mouse should have got the nod. And I'm okay with that. He has the hurt foot. He proved it. We have the pictures to see. He did hurt his not foot. Not only that, that but when you talk about you know this sport, and it's all about narratives, right? I keep banging in that best. You know, It is a lot about sports entertainment. It's a lot about entertainment. But the narrative for that third fight... I think people, I have not heard one person talk about the fact that Demetrius Johnson's coming off an injury before this fight. Mm-hmm. He had a hurt shoulder. He's coming off shoulder surgery. That could have had an effect on him. He is the most winningest flyweight of a champion, period, UFC of all time. So judo, Olympic-level athlete, can also is also bilingual in, in English and um, Spanish. You got too many narratives. You got too much stuff to play with there. You're creating the next superstar. Mm-hmm. Demetrius Johnson, as much as, and a lot of people say, oh, you know, he just, they, the, the UFC has never got it right with him. No, they tried every way they could to promote this guy. Mm-hmm. He's had ultimate fighters built around him. He's had everything they could do, throwing him on Big Fox, trying to get as much eyeballs on him as they could. Who would have ever thought it took him losing to finally get people talking about the guy? Everybody loves the rematch. Yeah. And they, they love a story of redemption and... But yeah, you have to do the trilogy between DJ and Henry Cejudo. You absolutely have to. It will be a disservice if you don't. But then moving on to TJ Dillashaw. Look, if he had nobody to fight like he did before, I mean, the only person he had before, I mean, it's amazing how much changes since the last time he fought, which was in November, till now, which was, you know, the beginning of August, when... It was after November, in the beginning of the year, when they were trying to talk about fights for TJ Dillashaw. The only guy that really came to mind in that bantamweight division was Jimmy Rivera. Yeah. That was it. 
He had Jimmy Rivera. You could have made a case that he was the number one contender, and they could have went in there and did the damn thing. So that's why we were talking about the DJ versus TJ fight. But now that time has moved on, since then, TJ is staring at three opponents. He has an option A, an option B, and an option C. There's too many people at the top that's willing and ready to fight for that 135-pound title. You have Dominic Cruz, you have Rafael Assuncao, and you have Marlon Rice. Okay? Option C is Rafael Assuncao. He might be technically the most deserving if you put the sports into this category. If you look at it from a sports Because he's one of the level, most winningest guys he is, get a title yes, shot before. Yeah. He is absolutely the most winningest. The only problem is he suffered that big defeat to TJ Dillashaw at UFC 200 where he just got outclassed in every aspect of that fight. But he does have a win over TJ also, so there is the trilogy there. There's a little interesting of a dynamic, but let's be real here. Are you paying $65 for that fight? No. So that's why you have to look at it from the sports entertainment aspect, which is the way you should look at every fight. There's option B, which in my opinion, and this is going to be very debatable, I think option B is Marlon Rice. He's on yeah. a great two-fight win streak. Actually, he's on a three-fight win streak, but his last two wins have been devastating knockouts over two killer. absolutely killer killer bantamweights. You know, I mean, two of the best knockouts of the year over Aljamain Sterling and Jimmy Rivera. He beat the guy to beat a guy. So he's right there around that position. But, of course, option A has to be Dominic Cruz. The storylines are too good. Look at the bait we were having. Who's the greatest bantamweight of all time? There's only two names that come to mind. It's Dominic Cruz and it's TJ Dillashaw. There is nobody else. This ends that discussion with a fight. The winner of that fight becomes the greatest bantamweight ever. Not only that, the story's just too good. Dominic Cruz came in and beat TJ Dillashaw. TJ Dillashaw, I think, would like to avenge that loss. Their styles are similar, too. It's a money, it's, it's a good, decent money fight. Everybody knows who both of these guys are. Their styles match up perfectly with each other. The first fight was controversial. A lot of people thought Dillashaw won. A lot of people thought Cruz won. And you know there's a little grudge there, too. There is a grudge there. In my mind, I don't see how you book anything else. That's the fight I want. I feel like 9 out of 10 people, that's the fight they want. Marlon Moraes will be a spectacular fight also. But I feel like the story and the narrative and the sports entertainment aspect of it, you have to do Cruz versus TJ Dillashaw next. Agree or disagree? No, I agree. Okay. You know, when the, when the smoke settles, you got to do what's going to draw the most eyeballs. You got to do what's going to actually, you know, it's always about the hook and it's always about the, you know, there's got to be a narrative there. And I think that that, that fight has the best narrative. Although I wouldn't, I wouldn't be mad if you know one of those guys fell out, or if well, like I said, Dominic you got Cruz three options. It's just too Marlon much at the top to start messing up. I was the thinking division. maybe Marlon Marias fight either Rafael Santiago again, or he fights Garbrandt. Yeah, either way. Well, and let's move on to that guy. Perfect segue. What's next for Cody Garbrandt? What do we do with Cody Garbrandt now that he's lost two in a row? Former bantamweight champion, only twenty six years old. What do you do next with him if you're the UFC? I know exactly what I would do with him. What is that? He's young. He's not getting a title shot again anytime soon. Not if TJ Dillashaw's at the top. He said he can get that at 125. I think Cody, Cody Garbrandt needs to think about dropping to 125 and starting a new life in that division. One, it wouldn't suck to have Cody Garbrandt at 125 pounds. And I actually agree with you, and you took the words right out of my mouth. Um, 
there was the California State Athletic Commission came out with the paperwork of all the fighters and what they weighed the next day. You know how they have the strict weigh-in yeah. policy? There was only six fighters who should have competed in the division that they were in that night. They didn't balloon up to twice their size. Only six. Yeah. One of those six fighters was Cody Garbrandt. Mm-hmm. That right there actually told me Cody Garbrandt's lighter than TJ Dillashaw. If anybody has an argument that they can make 125 off of those numbers, Cody Garbrandt can make 125, in my opinion. And he can do it healthily. And I think for the short term, I'm not saying he has to leave Bantamweight forever. I mean, he's the former champ. I mean, TJ Dillashaw just has his number. You know, it's it's just, it is what it is. I feel like there's a number, everybody has some, I mean, there's always somebody to beat everybody. Somebody always has the other guy's number. The only person that hasn't been beaten yet are two people, and that's John Jones and Khabib Nurmagomedov. There's the only two guys that we haven't seen. Yeah, and GSP, you're right, three. Three guys that I haven't seen. Those dogs haven't had their day yet. Okay? But everybody else, you know, every dog can have its day. But I think Cody Garbrandt, for the short term, can drop to 125. Maybe just needs, he needs just maybe one exciting fight. And he can get up to that 125-pound title quickly. Because mm-hmm. I agree with you. The 135-pound title, it might it might be a minute. Yeah. I mean, I'm not mad if he stays at 135 either and just keeps on trucking. His best case. I mean, think about what it would take for him to get a title shot again. You have the you have Marlon, Marlon Marias ahead of him. You know, Rafael Santiago's there too. He could, you know, stay at Bantamweight, fight one of those guys if he wins, get himself. But, like, it would take Dominic Cruz to beat T.J. Dillashaw. Maybe not even just once, maybe twice, before Cody Garbrandt could get that title shot again. Yeah, I mean he's he's looking down because he does own that win over Dominic Cruz, but it would take him a while. There's too many scenarios for him. I think he could look at dropping a 125, and that being and a young I don't guy, usually I don't like fighters that jump weight so much. Okay, but I'm only going off of scientifically what the California State Athletic Commission said. And the California State Athletic Commission, what I saw in those papers is Cody Garbrandt was one of the lightest fighters in there. Well, one thing for sure, you wouldn't want to see him go to 145. No. <laughs> Not at all. I don't know who would even think that. No, no. We're good. We're good. All right, so we agree on most things here. Unfortunately. But there was other good performances on Saturday night. just want to shoot them out there. Renato Moicano went out there and absolutely obliterated Cub Swanson. I mean, that was a master class performance. I don't know if it's Cub Swanson's on the downward trend of his career. I don't know what's going on there. I think, I think people don't know how good Moicano really is. They're starting to get an idea. I don't think people understood how. Like I had him as like my deadlock to win that night. Mm-hmm. And I, I I think Cub Swanson's a great action fighter. He's exciting, but I never had him as that top guy. And Moicano, people forgot that he fought Brian Ortega and was beaten Ortega. Well, everybody Ortega. was beating Ortega yeah. until Ortega catches you with a submission yeah. in like the third round. But that, that guy, guy is dangerous. That guy's really good. <clears throat> yeah, um, I love that. There was something about the raw violence and unpredictability and craziness of the Kevin Holland versus Thiago Santos fight. I mean, what a good fight to start the pay per view. I mean, what, the FS1 fights were good because um, it led in with the Munoz versus Johns fight, was which a was a fight. spectacular scrap. Yeah. But then once the pay-per-view started and you led with that Holland versus Santos fight, there was just this weird, I don't know, it was, it was like that weird, it was awkward to watch, but it was so awesome at the same time. What's weird is is how popular, like everybody loved Kevin Holland, mm-hmm. even on a loss. 
That's a good sign, kid, because usually when you lose, people think nothing of you, and you're one of those rare guys that lose. The only person I've seen lose, and so many people talk about, was Brock Lesnar. Or Roy Nelson. Yeah, I don't get it. Like, mm -hmm. man, like, that's that's a hard thing I mean, to I love accomplish. the story at the post-fight press conference Dana gave about how Kevin Holland got yeah. that fight. You know, called him Big Mouth. <laughs> said Big Mouth was the only one that took the fight. And then he went there and he did. He scrapped really hard. He gassed in the third round. And I do believe, you know, he took on such a short notice. I mean, Matt, just a lot of respect. Well, he took guys. it on two weeks' notice. And he fought a guy that was twice his freaking size. Mm -hmm. That guy's got to go to 205. Mm -hmm. Good God, was he huge. And then I got to say, the fight pass prelims were, were definitely pretty good i mean chito vera stepping up on last minute notice to fight Luigi buran that body shot was was fun to watch especially for the very first fight of the night and then of course the headliner for the fight pass portion of it alex perez the dana white tuesday night contender series standout i mean 107 strikes in the first round are you kidding me the way he knocked out uh, what was that guy's name? Jose Shorty Torres. It was just so impressive. That kid looks amazing. I cannot wait to watch Alex Perez fight again. Like I said in the last segment, you know, the 125-pound division's on the rise. You got that Alex Perez kid. You know, you got Sergio and Benavidez still doing their thing. You got the big, you know, rubber match. Possibility of Garbrandt dropping down. That division's got, that division's getting fun. It's got it's fire. It's getting fun to watch. It's got fire. Anything else you want to add about UFC 227? No, just uh, I like how um, I'm glad they were successful because a lot of people were, you know, saying that was like one of the worst UFC cards ever. And I'm, my my counteraction to that is how could it be one of the worst UFC cards ever? It's got two title fights. Logic, people. Logic. Well, let's talk about what happened right before the fights, the X's and O's, on Friday. Let's talk about Friday. The UFC. Actually, let's talk about Thursday night. Okay, we'll start right there. When Thursday night, it leaked out. It was official. It's signed, sealed, delivered. As far as we know, he's saying otherwise, but as far as we know, when they announced that Nate Diaz is returning at Madison Square Garden in the co-main event against Dustin Poirier. I mean, you want to talk about a bolt of electricity that shot through the arm of everybody in the MMA community. I have never seen a fight that just broke the internet, an announcement, like that one, unless it was Connor or Ronda or Brock or something like that. That thing literally broke the internet that night. And so far, what is your thoughts? What, what do you make of the Nate Diaz versus Dustin Poirier matchup? Sign me up, please. That is violence at its best. I will love that fight. Not only that, but Nate. There's a lot of lightweights I believe beats Nate. There's been a lot of lightweights that have beaten Nate. Dustin Poirier, as great as he's looked, stylistically, this fight is going to be a good one because this is a match for Nate that actually, stylistically, he can win. Because, you know, he's not a wrestler. Dustin Poirier's not a wrestler. He's not a jiu-jitsu. Well, his jiu-jitsu wouldn't matter against a Diaz brother anyway, but he's not a wrestler. He's not going to lay in for him. Those guys are going there, and they're going to box. And we're going to, we're going to see who has the best hands. I think it's going to be an outstanding fight. And I think one of the reasons the Nate announcement broke the internet, because I think everybody knew, if, well, if Nate's coming back, then we know Connor's coming back. Well, it wasn't just that. I think I didn't see it coming. I didn't. And I didn't see Poirier as the opponent. And I am just everything in every day. I follow this sport all day long every day. 
Okay, like I always look for news to break. I'm always researching things about fighters. I'm always looking things up. I did not guess in a million years that if Nate Diaz was to return, Dustin Poirier would be his opponent. And this is just such a fantastic matchup. I, I'm, I'm truly very excited about it. And I think it shows you the level of drawing power that Nate Diaz has when this fight was announced. I mean, it was everywhere. Nate Diaz was one of the top trends on Twitter that night. I remember seeing that and going, wow, he is a superstar. He pushes the needle. He brings a brand to the UFC and it helps them get over that hump. I mean, now everybody's talking about how the UFC is great again in one week. And that's because you have a Diaz signing. And then, of course, at the very end of the presser, it's finally official. We've been speculating. You could listen to this podcast for the last, I think, like two months. We've been hearing that October, UFC 216, it was going to be Connor and Khabib. They secretly, you know, uh, agreed to this fight a while ago. They just had to get over a couple hurdles before they could officially announce it. But now that it's officially announced, Connor McGregor versus Khabib Nurmagomedov, what's your take? They got it done. They got it done quicker. Like, I always had a feeling it was going to happen in October, but I wasn't sure. Because the later and later it got to announce this thing, I'm like, but you need a certain amount of time to promote this. You know, and they were saying, oh, why not a world tour? You don't need to do a world tour. No. I think uh, they can they can just, just have a press conference. Um, the biggest fight in UFC history, one of them, was Nate Diaz versus Conor McGregor. And they put it together at the last minute. Yeah. And it was it was gold. It was yeah. one of the best press conferences done to date. Yeah. That's when we got the great line, you know, you're in the park playing touch butt yeah. with that dork in the park, right? Like, one of the greatest lines ever in MMA history. Yep. I mean, you don't need to go everywhere. You don't have to travel all these cities to sell this fight. This fight sells itself. And do you think it's going to be the biggest fight in mixed martial arts history? Yes, I you do. You do? Yeah, I do. The response to it... They haven't even started to promote this thing yet. <laughs> the Connor promotion for it so far. hasn't even done a thing yet. So when this thing gets yeah, started... Has. The dolly, that was the start. Yeah, yeah, but what I mean is since they announced it, like they haven't done anything, and it's already just big news. They announced this fight. I haven't heard a thing about Triple G Canelo. Nothing. They announced this fight. I haven't heard about anything else. This is going to be... I th I don't know how well it's going to do on pay-per-view or nothing like that. But I do believe it beats um, Connor Nate too. I do believe that. Or it's going to be right around there. It's either going to be a little under, a little over. But I believe it's going to be the biggest fight in UFC history. Well, let's play guess that buy rate. Um, right now, they're projecting about $2 million. That's what they're saying. It should, should do about $2 million buys on pay-per-view. Do you agree with that number? Give me an exact number. Where do you think this pay-per-view lands when it's all said and done? If it happens. I don't think it does 2 million. I think it does 1.6 to 1.8. Really? Yeah. You're going under 2 million. Yeah. Today's age? Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Every year it gets harder. Every year it gets harder. I personally think it's going to do 2.5 million plus. Think so. What, because of international? International. Not just international. I looked at what the, uh, <clears throat> the Maymac did. I'm just looking at that, and the fact that Mayweather versus McGregor did 4.4 million. At the end of the day, as far as North American buys alone, it was 4.4 million buys, right? Look, I really thought coming out of it, Conor McGregor was the star. He was the one that pushed that thing to the next level. 
I mean, of course, Mayweather was the other one. I mean, combining both of them. But I still think Mayweather was was on his way already. And then he did that Eddie Alvarez performance before that. And then it was the $4.4 million. I really think that I wouldn't even be surprised if this thing does $3 million buys. I think Conor McGregor is that big of business. I think we're underestimating the value of Conor McGregor. I think this whole court thing he did, throwing the dolly, made him even more famous and has people talking about him. I don't understand everybody's fascination with the people that do wrong things, okay? I mean, think about it even when you were kids. Was everybody having Derek Jeter posters on their wall? Do they have their local cops or local fire department on their wall? No. You know who people had on their walls as kids? Tony Montana. They had Scarface. Or they had like the, that, that goofy little picture of the, of the Soprano and Tony Montana and the Godfather all sitting at a table smoking cigars playing cards. I don't know why people love the bad boy image, but it's just fact that they do. And Conor McGregor made big news without being in the fight game earlier this year for all the wrong reasons, but it still made him bigger. At the end of the day, he was the number one. He broke everything. News outlets, everybody was talking about him. News outlets that never even cover any type of sport of fighting. It was just, it, it, it just transcends. And I look at it like, and you're right, we haven't started the promotion yet. But their promo for it, as much as I thought it was a disgusting act with the dolly and everything he did at UFC 223, I've moved on. And a lot of people are really giving UFC criticism for using that in their package for their video package to promote this fight, but how could you not use it? They did it when DC and John Jones got into a fist fight at the presser. I have no problem with any of this, and I think all of this has culminated and built into the biggest fight in mixed martial arts history. There's true bad blood here. And I don't know about you, even the stylistic matchup, this is the old school grappler versus striker. striker. It's, it's just intriguing in every aspect. Look, I'm not disagreeing with you. The narrative is, I mean, any kind of great narrative you can get out of this, it's all there. Connor's return, the Dolly incident, mm -hmm. um, undefeated fighter in Khabib, the styles are different, real grudge, everything is there. I just don't know. Maybe I'm being too conservative with my, you know, guess the buy rate, but it's just... I've never seen MMA go higher than $2 million. So, to me, it's like, if UFC thinks they're only going to do $2 million, I'm like, well, maybe they'll do right under. We'll see. I haven't seen them break that yet. I mean, I still I think... thought I thought Diaz versus Connor too, was as big as it gets. That thing was everywhere. Mm -hmm. And it ended up doing 1.6. Mm -hmm. So, we'll see. <clears throat> yeah, because I remember the Maymac thing. Like, I was like... For whatever reason... So big. For whatever so reason, big. boxing's got that dim different demographic that more people buy... When, especially when there's well, a we'll real see. big fight. We'll see. This, but, is, this is the true test yeah. right here. There's not a fight ever bigger than this one. I mean, this this has all the storylines you want. This is going to be the absolute true test to that. We'll find out at the end of the day. Your prediction right now is around the Nate Diaz. You think it's going to do just a little over that. You said 1.6 to 1.8 million, and I'm saying 2.5 plus. So I'm being overly optimistic, and you're being under conservative. Conservative, so... That's where we'll go from here. We'll have this discussion in probably November of this year when they start releasing the numbers to the October pay-per-view. But 
we will put a pin on this and we will revisit it but let's just as fans embrace it let's be stoked again mma is looking the one thing i will say even year. if connor loses then they'll go a different route with connor after this and he'll still be a draw i think khabib has a chance. I think Khabib's a draw too. A, That's the thing. I do too. Yeah, Russia. You have Ireland. You have to, you have the U.S. I mean, everybody is in, in, into this fight. And especially if he wins, Khabib is going to be a superstar, megastar, megastar, like Nate Diaz got. But while we're talking about these two fights that were announced, because let's let's face it here, these were the two fights that well, were announced this potatoes, weekend yeah. that has broke that has just made the MMA world not only optimistic but just over overly crazy excited the, the, for this the, sport again i don't know about you but the vibe i got from the press conference was the only reason they did the press conference so that they they got the nate deal done so they're like okay we could do a live press conference mm -hmm. because we got a big oh, they star did it to, to come they to the did building. it for the connor yeah that's the only reason they did yeah i mean i knew it from the start because um, if you look at their big cards upcoming they don't have main events for them yet they just they just finally got october so. well here, here's the thing with connor versus khabib Nate Diaz versus Poirier. Looks like they got a little mini lightweight tournament going here. Now, it just leads me to question, what about Tony? I mean, wh where's Tony Ferguson fitting all this? And, of course, we start having all the stars come back. Now we have GSP coming out of nowhere saying he wants to fight the Conor and Khabib winner. Mm -hmm. Like, what do we make? Like, what is right and what is wrong with all of these situations, and how do we sort this out? Like, do you think that the Nate Diaz versus Poirier winner should fight the winner of McGregor and Khabib? I think if Nate, I don't know. You can't go wrong with Nate or, uh, I think if Connor wins, they're going to do Connor versus GSP. But I, I can't see, I don't know if UFC wants GSP fighting for another title. Mm -hmm. I think GSP was right on the money when he said that recently. He's like, they don't want me fighting. And for you can't blame him. I think the GSP versus Connor fight could be there, but if if Connor was to win this fight, and Nate Diaz was to beat Dustin Poirier, you have to do Connor versus Diaz three. Because as big of a fight I think GSP versus Connor is, you're not going to sit there and tell me that Connor versus Diaz three won't be as big, if not bigger. That's the biggest grudge, the biggest fight in MMA history. There's a lot of proven, big fights here, though. Proven. There is a lot of big if fights If I was here. UFC, and I don't blame him, GSP would have to fight at 155 first before he fights the winner of that fight. Because I, and I wouldn't blame him. I would not blame them for that. Look, GSP's talking, and of course, look at this. All of a sudden, by the end of the year, the last two years I've been screaming. I've been saying, the only reason everybody's so mad at MMA is because all our pop stars went away. Okay, all our big stars just, just went away. They were gone. Now, all of a sudden, they all want to come back at the same exact time. We already got a Diaz in a fight. We have Conor McGregor coming back. GSP is now talking. He's ready to fight again. And here's my thing about GSP. They're talking Anderson Silva. That doesn't make no sense to me. How low can Anderson Silva get? I mean, it doesn't make sense. I'm hearing this 180-pound catch weight. GSP just got all, what is it? The colitis, what is it, ulcerative colitis? Is that the right term for it? Yeah. Got ulcerative colitis for ballooning up to 185. So he's not going to get ulcerative colitis ballooning up to 180? So that five pounds is going to make the world a difference? Doesn't make no sense. I haven't heard GSP utter one word of 170 pounds. Not once. Not saying anything about returning to welterweight. He wants nothing to do with it. But now he's talking about fighting Khabib and Connor.
GSP is only looking for the biggest fight possible from what I'm reading from him right now. And I think the UFC has to make sure, hey, we'll give you the biggest fight possible, but it can't be for a title. Yeah. Now, the only problem is it is hard to turn down something like GSP versus Connor. Now, Khabib versus GSP would be very fun, but if Khabib beats Connor, you still have to do like the Poirier Diaz winner versus Khabib or Tony versus Khabib. You got to try it again. Um, but if Connor loses, man, that Connor versus GSP fight, that's something special. Yeah. That's something that's something that breaks the mold. That might be the biggest fight in UFC history. Or you I mean, just I do Connor versus Diaz again. I mean, personally, if we can get GSP back in there, I got one opponent for him. I mean, they're going to Toronto in December. I don't know why GSP would even want to fight anywhere else. And I don't know if the UFC can get him the right opponent for December. But there's one opponent I have in mind. I like the idea of GSP versus Tony Ferguson. Yeah, that's what I was alluding to. That's what I was alluding to. I was saying if he wants to really fight... For a 155-pound or he wants to go to 150, he'd have to take a fight first because I can see where the UFC's coming from. They already got enough confusion going on. He turned on down Diaz. They wanted GSP versus Diaz, and that's that's one of the few names in the game that, that puts a lot of pop yeah. into the market. You know what I mean? Like I'm glad that fight's like because I wasn't very interested in that. I think I already know how that fight would have went. It wouldn't have even... I but to even, the casual, they would have been. Maybe, right? but like... It would have broke the mold. It would have. Uh, yeah. At that point in time when they had no fights, but now, what, what, they don't need that fight now. But, to me, like, I get where the UFC would be coming from, because they already, there's already so much weirdness going on with that lightweight title. Like, I guess Khabib's the champ, because he beat Ali Quinta, Tony Ferguson. Yeah, that's another champ. weird thing. You don't need to add GSP to that mix. <laughs> that would just confuse everything. Yeah. And they're probably like, no, we're about to finally get this lightweight That's the other crazy thing. This out. isn't belt versus belt. <clears throat> no. This Khabib and Connor fight, Khabib's the champ and Khabib, Connor's the well, challenger. The thing was, I'm sure Connor's going to say otherwise when we finally see him, but they did say he was no longer the champ. And this is another fight that proves belts don't matter as much as you think. Why aren't they doing the belt versus belt? They could have technically done that. They could have, but they technically. But then they'd be going over there in words. They technically said he was already stripped. It's just uh, the, the titles are confusing, and I'm just saying titles don't matter as much as the That's UFC proclaims it's they nice do. Nice to have all these pop stars back, but they gotta find a way not to confuse this lightweight belt no more. Khabib versus Connor for lightweight title makes sense. After that, you gotta make sure like that thing's going on the right track. And I get it. The UFC's not even. They, they, let me put it to you this way: If Nate was to beat. Um, Poirier, they don't need a GSP. That 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 fight is going to be just as box office. So, the, to me, they got to keep that lightweight strap going because they're going to need to keep it going. All right. So there were some other fights on the days. I noticed two light heavyweight main events. I can't believe they're making so many main events out of light heavyweight. Is it just me, or are you a little shell shocked about that? But they did announce Roken Uzdemir versus Anthony Smith. Jimmy Manuel versus Glover Teixeira. Now, the other big thing was they have this Nate Diaz Poirier fight signed, and there's no main event yet for Madison Square Garden. And I just want to get your prediction. What do you think is going to be the main event for UFC 230 Madison Square Garden? I mean, already, that days for MSG. I'm sold. I would like to go to that event. I mean, you have Diaz Poirier in the co-main. You have Israel Adesanya versus Derek Brunson. You have Paulo Costa versus Yoel Romero. Chris Wyman versus Luke Rockhold. David Branch versus um, uh, Jacare. I mean, this thing is stacked already. 
and some very, very intriguing fights, all of them. Who main events a card like that? My theory? Somebody's been a little too happy on Twitter lately. Somebody's been tweeting out, it's comeback season. Mm-hmm. I've feeling something's happened with John Jones and they know. I could be wrong. That card's strong enough. To me, at first, I looked at it like I thought maybe they were seeing, especially at the press conference and seeing what Nate Diaz versus Poirier does. Mm-hmm. I was kind of thinking, like, all right, they're going to see how maybe tickets sell without having a championship fight mm-hmm. or how that goes. And then they see Nate Diaz's drawing power and be like, you know what, we're good. We'll just make that a five-round fight and that'll just be the main event. Mm-hmm. But I have a sneaky suspicion they're going to get it's leaning towards something else because we still haven't heard about John Jones' court days. He he's all of a sudden. Yeah, I thought we were supposed to find out about this at the end of July. Yeah, he's and all I've of a sudden all in on Twitter. And again. everybody that's been getting off on Usada lately. I mean, look how many people have been cleared and vindicated. Yeah. And John Jones was another one of those. Just like those other cases, it's weird. It's a really weird case. So we don't know what's going to happen. It's not like, oh, we found two subs. It was such a minuscule amount, and everything about it was so weird. The timing, all of it, it just, I don't know. I've always had this hunch, like, this thing's going to be, I don't think he's going to do that much time. And I agree with you. I think John Jones and Alexander Gustafsson might be the fight. It's got to be. They booked Ozdemir versus Anthony Smith. So... Without Jones in the equation, mm-hmm. it came down to Uzdemir, Anthony Smith, and Gustafsson. I don't want to hear about this Corey Anderson talks. I don't really believe he's part of it. For DC is what you're talking right now, right? Even without DC. Okay. I, Me personally, I don't see DC coming back to light heavyweight. Okay. First of all, he broke his finger, so mm-hmm. he's not fighting anytime soon. He's got to come back down to 205, then try to shoot back up to heavyweight. and jam- That doesn't make sense. If The UFC's probably telling him, yeah, that's not happening, bud. It's not going to happen. We like you. We'll say every nice thing we can about you. Behind closed doors, they're like, yeah, that's not happening. Mm-hmm. So, to me, when I saw the announcement, I didn't really speculate too much on the Jones things. I was like, well, maybe they'll see what happens with the bantamweight fight. Maybe, you know, they'll get Thug Rose a fight. Maybe they'll get, you know, Ortega Holloway cleared, and that could happen in November. But I'm like, but they went ahead and they hot shot. Uzdemir. Yeah, the main event signings. Yeah, yeah. And to me, I was talking about last week. I was telling fight. you last week, I was all in on Anthony Smith. I was cool with him being in the shot for the vacated light heavyweight title or interim, whatever they do. Same with Uzdemir. And last week, I was also thinking Gustafson being part of that ordeal. But those two guys get booked. Then you have Manua and, well, that, that fight is two guys that have kind of a name and they're coming off losses. But Gustafson. Minor injury. Minor. Mm-hmm. And we haven't heard nothing about him. Yeah, there's speculation there. and I think we're allowed to speculate. It's not minor. Actually, Dana White said it was actually kind of major. The only problem is he doesn't need surgery for it. He's in rehab literally right now, and he should be fine just to do the rehab and work through it. Hmm. He actually said he strained something in his hand sp- hamstring. Hmm. He defended him on that. Gustafson just said it was a minor because obviously he's a warrior. But yeah, I mean, I'm speculating towards that. I don't see how it's any other way. I mean, they're after these two, like I said, light heavyweights getting a lot of, a lot of main events, which I find is kind of weird because they're main event in these fight nights. But no, it's not too far off. But at the same time, those seem like the guys that would be up there. 
in that pecking order, especially Uzdemir and Anthony Smith. And I can't think of any other fight at light heavyweight. You know, Gustafsson's being held out for something. Yeah, and they're, I don't they're think waiting it's Corey for something. Anderson. So I'm speculating John Jones just like you are, because even the way Dana said we're waiting for one of those things to fall into place mm-hmm. at the right time, it kind of had me thinking of the USADA hearing. How do you get that card to be even a bigger deal? I mean, John I still Jones. think at the end of the day, there's two other main events you could put as the headliner, and it's still going to be a big deal because yeah. the card's just so stacked. If you have Nate Diaz Poirier, that's kind of like your your meal ticket to at least it's going to sell out. That that'll sell the place out alone. And it'll help a little extra bump in your pay-per-view sales. But, I mean, I could see Holloway-Ortega. Mm-hmm. That's such a fantastic fight. And then, of course, Cyborg versus Nunez, if they were able to do it in November. There's the only other two that I could see headlining Madison Square Garden. But I'm, I'm with you 100%. I have this weird, suspicious, suspecting feeling it's going to be Jones versus somebody. Probably Alexander Gust. The rematch I've always wanted. So... Fingers crossed. Let's hope that happens. Now I want to ask you something. Nobody else has touched this, okay? And it might be because they're the ones that got played. You haven't heard too much about this. But last week, Dana White put out pictures early in the morning. It was him at the White House, the big Oval Office, with the head honcho himself, the President of the United States of America, Donald Trump. And they're taking pictures, and he has a title on the desk. Did exactly what Colby said he was going to do. And they're living it up, okay? Now, as soon as those hit, a couple hours went by, and the media went crazy. Wow, did they put Dana White on blast. Called him a disgrace. How disrespectful. How dare you treat Colby like that. You're literally taking Colby's spot that you said you would get him in. I'm not going to lie. When I first saw the picture, I'm like, Am I being punked? Yeah. Like, did he really do that? Is he really trying to, like, at first I'm, I'm thinking one of two things. I'm like, okay, Dana White's finally really lost it. Like, something, his ego is really crazy. Or the second thing, I was thinking, like, man, it must be getting nasty between him and Colby behind mm-hmm. the scenes because something's going on. And then around lunchtime, Colby Covington, after Dana White just took all this abuse from the world of MMA, Colby Tuvington comes out with his pictures where he's arm in arm with Donald Trump with a Make America Great Again hat on and the, the title around Trump's arm. And the pictures come out. I gotta say, I know media, you're not gonna admit it. Y'all got played. Y'all got played really good. That made my day. I, I mean, be, I thought it was one of the funniest things I've I ever seen in a long time. I that that was like Colby's idea or they talked to each other like, oh, you know, this would really make him mad. No, I think that was Dana. Yeah. All the criticism and disrespect he gets for every single move he makes. This was Dana White getting back at the media. He's, he was putting him on blast. See, nobody's talking about it because the media is the one that, that drives all the narratives. So I'm going to go ahead and do this. This was absolutely hilarious. He really put the media in their place on this. Yeah, you're right. Cause I, I would have thought I would have seen that around. No, nobody's about talking that about that. They all, they're all too busy bashing him and calling him a disgrace to the sport. What did Brendan Schaub say last week? He needs to be fired. This is what we're hearing about Dana White. But he was man of his word. He brought Colby Covington to the White House with his interim title and met Donald Trump and put it on his desk. I mean, absolutely spectacular stuff. Nobody else wants to talk about it, but y'all got played. And I'm happy you guys did. You know, the reason we've been talking about this this, this sport being so negative lately is because of you guys. 
please give us better narratives. Give us you. You should be part of the reason why we love this sport. You should be helping entertain. See, this is what goes into here's a here's something that I see. The media always portrays that the UFC is not promoting correctly. You know, this guy should be promoted more. When they don't realize, they're the ones that control more narratives than the UFC does. Yes. So they in do. a way, if this sport's going to get better, we need better journalists. We mm-hmm. need better media. It's weird, but that's why I like listening to Shao Sonnen. Shao Sonnen gets it. He's, he talks a lot of stuff. He has a checkered past, though, but he gets it. Like, there is not enough of the right kind of narratives and mm-hmm. media being put out there. It's all about just stuff that, to be honest with you, they sometimes say, oh, we're not getting as much traffic or hits. You got to look in the mirror sometimes and mm-hmm. wonder why. Because all too much negativity... A little bit of negativity is right. It's okay to go against the grain sometimes if, if you want to think, you know, you want to stick if up. You for truly a believe in something, or yeah. Something. Or like when they were like, yeah, what's, when they make fun of the interim titles and what mm-hmm. happened to Colby. Like I don't blame them for that. Like that's a decent, you know, yeah, yeah. they have a point. But there's a lot of it. I'm like, y'all are talking about the business, and you guys have no idea what the business is. Mm-hmm. You guys are all oh, the TV ratings are lower. Everything on TV. Oh, you down. know what? I wanted to bring up something about the TV ratings for Fox, by the way. We didn't. This didn't come out yet. I didn't find out till right after we did our podcast. You know that the social media impressions for UFC on Fox 30 was higher than anything else that Saturday night. Doesn't surprise me. I mean, that's the biggest win, right? Because everybody's finding different ways to watch these well, shows. Well, not only that, but they won the 18 to 49 demographic. Like they still won the the the, the key demographic. So then that's all they. That's all that Fox wants out of them. That's all any sports network or any network on tv that's all you want you want that demographic just because you don't have as much eyeballs but you win that demographic that's mm-hmm. what the the advertisers and everybody else if wants. you take those ratings to espn at the what was it like 1.6 million mm-hmm. what was it that's a big win yeah that's a big win for espn if you can get those type of ratings i know it's the lowest in the series but like tv just conti- every year for like the last, I feel like the last three to four years, I'm just watching ratings on TV and everything is down all the time. The only thing that's been up, and then they make a big deal of, is the NBA, but the NBA is not even doing as great as it was like eight to ten years ago. So, like, people watch stuff different ways now, man. I wouldn't be surprised if, then like, some people maybe are just catching highlights on social media or however they're doing it. I have no idea. But people just don't sit at home and watch traditional TV as much anymore. I can't go off anything on ratings anymore. But, I mean, just a huge sh- shout-out to Dana White for, for just completely making the media look dumb here. There was nothing they could say. He backed up in the corner and played them. I thought it was hilarious. I mean, the negative response that blew up on all the feeds from every single media member. And then just to a couple hours later go, oh. I mean, they just... And they, they still haven't acknowledged how bad they got played. Nope. They won't. That's, that's the biggest thing I took from away from that, like... I think if I was somebody that got played like that, I would have to admit and shake somebody's hand and be like, yeah, you got me, sir. But that was that was just fantastic, and I'm glad. He needs to stick up for himself. It's crazy what they do. I feel that job has to be terrible. That's got to be a really hard job. You have to have really thick skin to you have, have to. the job I mean, that Dana White of, any does. Any kind of job in life that you have to play a manager or, yeah, you have to because everybody's just going to talk about what you're doing. You're, they act like they can do your job better. But they won't actually do your I mean, job. I'm still mad about them putting on blast his son's birthday party. I don't know why that rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah, the guy's a multimillionaire. Whatever he wants to do with his money, he can do it. But why put his son on blast? 
and make his son feel like he's doing something wrong for his dad throwing him an over-glamorous birthday party. Yeah. Like, that's disgusting to me. You're not attacking Dana White. You're now attacking his children also. Like, get out of here. Get out of here. You guys suck. All right, let's move on from the UFC for just a minute. Okay, this isn't all just about a UFC podcast, but they have been nothing... They've been taking over to MMA world as usual lately, and there hasn't even been any Bellator shows. So let's jump into Bellator. They, they came out with their Grand Prix brackets, their welterweight. They are announced. Now, in the first round, we have Rory McDonald, the champion, against John Fitch at a date to be determined. We have Paul Daly versus MVP at a date to be determined. We have Douglas Lima against Andre Koroshkov on that September 29th card on the zone and then we have nyman gracie against ed ruth on a date to be determined lorenz larkin is in the alternate bout what do you make of the first round i always go back to it and now i know they they have five round these are all five rounders that's weird to me but yeah I, I okay these are all five rounders so it's like i say and i always say and this one, this tournament makes it even. It's not. It's not as confusing as PFL, but it's still confusing. So technically, every single time. By the way, PFL is bombing. Yeah, I knew they would. Um, that I mean, I I checked a glimpse of it, and then when I saw the point system, I was like, this just the doesn't fights make aren't sense. bad. It's not the fights. It's not the fights. fights. It's just the the whole turn. Well, they're they're relying on TV. It's a tournament. No, and it's, it's a tournament that tournament. makes even less sense. Yeah, the points are goofy. Here's my problem with this tournament. So, essentially, I know they're calling it a tournament. That's probably going to take, like, at this point, all five-round fights. So, more than likely, they're going to be main events. It's going to take, like, a year, year and a half to conclude. Yet, you have John Fitch versus Roy McDonald, and that's technically a title fight. John Fitch wins that fight. He is the Bellator Walter Waite champion. Then it'll get even foggier because what if, you know, John Fitch was to win that fight and then he goes to fight his next fight and he gets hurt? Who steps in? I guess I guess the winner of the tournament at that time becomes the welterweight champion. It's all just confusing to me. And then also it makes me feel like they did jump the gun with the Rory McDonald and Gigard Musasi fight. I'd prefer Rory McDonald not to be in that tournament. Because he's fighting for the middleweight title. Yeah, I don't I don't think he should be in the tournament either. I don't, do, I don't agree with that one. Why is your champion in the tournament? To me, that Roy McDonald versus Fitch, that should be Larkin versus Fitch. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I'm not trying to knock him because, like, to Create me— Create a number I, one contender out of it. Yeah, to me, I look at it like, okay, you just made four main events. Great main events. Paul Daly versus MVP don't need to be a part of a tournament or whatever they're going to do. That's probably one of their best fights other than Fedor and Shell. Bellator can do. You don't need the tournament. You could have just booked the fight. This is what I keep saying about these tournaments. They just don't work. You don't need them. Book great fights. People will watch them. Because even Ed Ruth and... Who's Ed Ruth fighting? The Gracie? Mm -hmm. That could mean... That's better than some of the main events they put on their you know Paramount TV shows. That, that's got my interest a little bit. You don't need the tournament. Because now you got the champion of this tournament doing all kinds of crazy stuff, fighting for the middleweight title. Every time he fights in the tournament, his title is being defended. This guy's going to get hurt or burnt out. There's no way he can follow that schedule. 
fight for the middleweight title, then jump in this tournament, fight a tournament format. How long is this tournament supposed to take? He has to fight three times in the tournament to be the winner. Sounds ambitious to me. I don't hate tournaments. I just hate the way they have this one set up. I mean, that I, I feel like anybody I talk to sounds like a broken record when they say that. They're like, I don't hate tournaments. I just hate the way this one's set up. It's what I hear every single time. I'm still going to say it. I don't think anybody has done a tournament right since the days of Pride. I haven't seen one done see, right. I disagree. Pride tournaments, they, it worked for them, but I still think they had too many stars at that time where even the, the tournament factor didn't matter. I think they were my or, favorite events. I think the they're only, still my favorite the events only of all time. The tournament I think that has ever worked in mixed martial arts per se is the one born Rebney did. That was the right idea. He had it right. That was the only tournament that made sense. You done? I'm done. You done? I'm you, done. You gonna calm down now? My point. So we can have a conversation. My point's been made. I feel better about. So do myself. you like? Okay, let let me ask you this. Do you like all four of the fights? I do. I do like the fights. I just get confused with the Roy McDonald one because he's got to fight for the middleweight title. Then, you know, I don't know how long after that. Like, mm -hmm. I, what I worry about the tournament, how long is this going to go on? Because Roy McDonald's got to do a lot of fighting. Mm -hmm. He's got to stay healthy. You know, he's got to jump. First of all, he's got to pack on pounds to go to 185. Mm -hmm. If he wants a realistic shot. Well, he probably being, walks around. Clear. I don't know how much pounds he's going to pack on. But still, he wants to really do it, right? Mm -hmm. Fight. Gagar Musasi, that's mm -hmm. one of the top middleweights, man. You can't just say, oh, I'm just going to blow it up and just do it. I mean, I see what you're saying. If he won the middleweight title, this thing could be very messy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, still, the only thing I can take out of it is it's four fantastic fights. Five good fights, but four of them are fantastic, and I'm very interested in all four of them. I like them all. Yeah. Uh, Bellator's really got some stuff going on right now that got to give them credit. They're, they're end of the year. It's looking pretty good. I, I can't believe I'm saying that from the beginning of the year they have, but their end of the year is looking pretty good, and I'm, I'm excited. I mean, all of mixed martial arts, wow, from top to bottom, Bellator and the UFC. It's funny. We have a lot to be excited for it's at the end of this year. funny how fast things can turn around. It, takes, it doesn't take long. It takes just one or two fights, and it changes the perplexion of everything. I'll tell you something I've been very interested in. What about this 25 years documentary? Is that going to be on Fight Pass? Yeah. That the UFC is about to put out. I just got more details on it. I haven't even really heard that much about it until I heard the Dana White interview earlier today. The fact that they're doing 25 different directors for 25 shows. On I'm pretty each sure year. it's 25 different directors. But it's, but one thing I know for sure, it's, it's 25 documentaries. Wow. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. That's got me excited. I feel like MMA doesn't do enough documentaries. Well, I think you can only do them so many times. You can only, only do them so many times, but I feel like there's not enough documentaries <coughs> on mixed martial arts. Yet. I feel like the ones they've done, they've hit out of the park, like the twenty years and yeah. you know stuff like that. I don't know how many you can really do, but this one, this this is one of those ones where sounds it's special. Time. It makes sense. Sounds special. It makes sense. I'm excited. I can't wait. I'm looking really, really forward to it. I thought I'd give that a shout out. And UFC's got the big fight. They got a way to promote this thing, you know. It, it, it's it's those kind of little things that when you're when UFC is hot, they can make new fans, and this mm -hmm. is one of those things they can you know teach a lot of newer fans if they you know get the fight pass or find a way to watch these documentaries. They especially when if they promote it around the Conor Khabib time, people can really learn you know bring new eyeballs to the sport and they learn about it. But this is the perfect time since we're bringing up fight pass, 
because tonight ends the second installment of the Contender Series as the finale is tonight. We're gearing up here in a few short hours to watch the conclusion. Greg Hardy's making a second visit to the Octagon. Week 8, he was on week 1. What, was he on week 1? Yeah. He was on week 1, now he's on the final installment on, on week 8. Um, the Contender Series finale is here tonight. What do you make of it? Like, Are you still in love with the Contender Series like you were in the first season? Or are you getting tired of it? I think I'm even more in love with it. This concept, it's so simple, yet it just works. This is the future of building stars. It's its their version, what they've always wanted, of Tuesday night fights. Or Friday night fights. So this is on Tuesday. It's Ultimate Fighter without the BS. It's just... Not to mention, but you go into every fight and because you know there could be a contract on the line and what they got to do to get the contract. The stakes are high. It adds to the drama. And then you know their family and friends are in the arena. There's not a ton of people in the arena. Smart fans are in the arena. It's just everything about this show works. I wish we had a metric to know how well it does because I think this thing is a smashing success. And tonight it concludes with Greg Hardy. Who knows? We'll see how he does. But I just think this is... Now, I think when they keep doing more and more, I can only watch so much because they're going to do the Brazil. And then I mark my words. They end up doing one for Canada, Australia, Mm -hmm. Russia. I can see that happening. But I just feel like, you know, I'd much rather just put on a random episode of Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series than trying to watch a random episode of The Ultimate Fighter. I don't have to know the backstory. I just put it on, watch a couple fights, and I'm done. See, I'm not as excited about the Brazil. And this is why. The only thing I want to see of this show... And remember, this show is also going over to the ESPN Plus app. This is the last one you're going to see on Fight Pass. This is also... I mean, think about the ESPN Plus app and how much value you're getting out of that. For what, $5 a month? You're getting 20 UFC events and the Contender Series? The only thing I'm worried about with the Brazil is they're starting to do the same thing that 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 kind of burnt us out on the ultimate fighter i don't want to see there too much of it like i I would rather see this come in one time a year you bring in talent from all over the world to compete on this eight week series okay Uh, i don't want to start seeing the brazil the latin america the canada the whatever because i just feel like you're gonna they're gonna overexpose it like they did with ultimate fighter i mean the ultimate fighter they overdid so much I mean, so much overdid it. Hence, this one does have a better aspect to it because it's just fights. I mean, that's one thing about it. There's no stupid TV drama. There's nobody fighting over what's in the refrigerator, who ate my food, who messed up my bed. You know, all that stupid little petty stuff. People getting drunk and out of control. This is, at least, they show up on fight day. You get a five-minute package on the fight, and then we're in the octagon. Um, But... This is moving over to the ESPN Plus app, which I think is going to help the ESPN Plus app with the 20 fights. I mean, this is this is such a bargain. It's still great. Through two seasons, it's great. I mean, look at the amount of talent that's coming out from this show. I mean, the first season they found Sean O'Malley, and then we were talking about the kid Alex Perez and the performance he just put on on the UFC show. And I'm looking at their metric at where they're at. I don't... We can't see what the TV ratings are doing right now or the buys or the or the, the the traffic that's coming in on Fight Pass but I'm looking at how many fighters have been signed through the 8 weeks of the first season they signed 16 men and women to contracts and then 6 people got in the UFC whether it was a developmental deal 
or they were brought in afterwards like they might have won their fight and they brought them in for the ufc fight for late minute replacement so 22 fighters overall made it to the ufc off of the first installment already through the first seven weeks we're at 18 fighters signed and five fighters have already been signed to come in and do developmental deals or like kevin holland did this last weekend mm-hmm. so the number's getting higher and the finish rate is getting higher um, to say that the pay-per-view, I mean, to say that this series, this year has been better than the first one, I'd say it's even. I mean, this is, this is still just a fantastic concept, and I think that, I, I just don't want to see them overdo it. I, I, it's the only thing I want to see. I don't want to see the Brazil. See, and, my thing is, I think they will, I think they need to still do it in other countries, because that's how they're going to find stars in other countries. It's not necessarily for a U.S. audience. I mean, you gotta remember, these streaming platforms, other than ESPN+, Plus. That's just going to get the American version. Mm-hmm. But they Fight Pass is global. They have other streaming networks and TV deals around the world. Mm-hmm. I think they need to do it in Mexico. I think they need to do it in Russia. It's for that audience. Doesn't mean... The only thing they'll have to do is is cut back on how many people they sign. But let's face facts here. It really doesn't matter whether the UFC is putting on these fights. Because guess what? These guys are fighting in you know independent leagues or you know lfa everywhere else and then getting signed afterwards anyway so they this is just ufc's own developmental league that's all Mm -hmm. it is it doesn't matter these that's probably almost the same amount of guys ufc picks up throughout the year to come in and fight in the ufc anyway Mm -hmm. so but to me yeah they need to do it international as well I, i was surprised well i'm not surprised brazil is a hotbed for them they're going to brazil first but after that they need one in Russia. They need one in Mexico. They need to do it. This is how they build stars in those countries. So, I, and to be honest with you, I don't think you can overdo this thing. Now, if it was on TV every week, but it's not, you have to go out of your way to watch these things anyway. You have to go to the streaming site or whatever it may be. You choose to be, you know, watch it like we do, whether it's on Fight Pass or. Um, eventually ESPN Plus, you have to go to that app anyway and watch the American version. All these other versions, they might go on Fight Pass or any other deal. You probably have to go out of your way to watch it. So anyway, the hardcore fans are going to watch it where we reside. But if you take that thing and you go to Russia with it, totally different story. You might get a bunch of new Russian fans. Yeah, I know. We'll see. I just don't want to see it burn out like the Ultimate Fighter did. That's that's my only fear. I could be wrong about that. I know people love fights. But it's, the it's definitely fighter, better than the Ultimate Fighter. I, I, I will say that. I was going to say, I don't know. this is no different than holding as much cards as they do. The Ultimate Fighter burned out because it was a reality TV show competition. But that's it for me. You got anything else you want to add to the table this week? No, Just to remind everybody, we won't be at this table next week. Uh, we have some scheduling conflicts, but two weeks from now, we will be back. But again, like always, thank you for listening to the podcast. You can download us on Podcast Attic, iTunes, or SoundCloud. And we love it when you come to the tables, guys and girls. Peace.